When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Sabini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. The Jets do it again. Another come-from-behind win on the road, 24-20 over the Steelers. Who are these guys? Funny story, I'm sitting in the airport in Pittsburgh on Monday morning listening to three Jets fans speak. It was a couple and then one other guy and they're going through the game. They're dissecting the game, but they're only mentioning the negative things. The blown lead, the interceptions, the personal foul penalties. They're going on and on railing about it. And finally, a fourth guy, a stranger sitting about 10 feet away with a jet cap on, turns around and says to them, excuse me, we won the game. It's victory Monday. Enjoy it. And the other fans were just laughing. They said, sorry, we're Jets fans. This is what we do. Folks, enjoy it. Your team is 2-2. Two and two. This is their best start since 2017. They're not the perfect team. Yes, they blew a lead in the game. Easily could have lost. Easily could have lost the Cleveland game, as we know. But take it. It's 2-2. Two and two. You're in October, and you actually are in a race. There's something to look forward to. That's to be appreciated. The Jets are developing an identity, and the identity is of a tough, resilient team that isn't always out of the game. Now, obviously, they lost two games, and they didn't play well in those second halves against Cincinnati and against Baltimore. But, you know, what they did in Pittsburgh was impressive. On the road, in that stadium, is not an easy place to play. The Jets, as we noted in last week's podcast, had only won once in their history in Pittsburgh. So for them to do that in the manner in which they did and really play almost flawless football over the last two possessions, I mean, you have to take your hat off to them, and that's something to be appreciated. So don't be like those people in the airport lamenting the negatives. Focus on the positives. you got the Dolphins coming to town on Sunday, and the game means something. We're not looking ahead to the next year's draft. We're actually looking at the game, and that's something that's a good thing. This, this Steeler game was interesting to me because, look, Obviously, I picked the Steelers to win. I just didn't think the Jets would be able to overcome Zach Wilson's rust in his return to the lineup. Uh, They were going to need other people to step up in this game, other units. And that's essentially what happened. Uh, You know, they didn't have to rely on him until the end. Uh, They got some good effort from, from, you know, offense, defense, even special teams. And so all until the end where Zach Wilson just like morphed into a playoff caliber quarterback over those last two drives. This is rather stunning. First three quarters of the game, Wilson, eight for 24. In the in the fourth quarter, he goes 10 for 12, like a different quarterback. Amazing. Now, 
the thing that impressed me most about Wilson was just some of the degree of difficulty of the plays he was executing in the fourth quarter. Third and six, conversion. Third and 13, conversion. Fourth and seven, conversion. Third and six, conversion. A second and 12, which they overcame eventually with the conversion. That's uh, Those are some pretty big hills to climb for a young quarterback making his first start of the year. A guy who basically had not played in, since the, uh, I think it was 51 days since that preseason game against the Eagles. So a really good performance uh, for Zach Wilson. Uh, my favorite sequence, and I think you guys will recall this, there was that in the first half where I think he escaped three sacks on one play. He was just sliding in and out, dodging would-be tacklers, and eventually throws the ball away. I think I tweeted that it was probably the best throwaway that he's ever going to have in his career. And then on the very next play, he drills a deep out to Elijah Moore. I checked the next-gen stats on it. The ball traveled 36 yards in the air from the left hash to the right side of the field, a frozen rope. I don't know if the ball got more than 10 feet off the ground. So from one sequence to the other, you saw two snapshots of what Zach Wilson can be. The mobility, the elusiveness on the one play where he avoided the sack and took the throw away, and then on the next play, the arm strength. And I know we're all talking about that crazy fourth quarter where where he brought him down for those two long drives. But to me, those two plays in the first half really, really kind of exemplified what he can be. Uh, now, he, you know, he had some mistakes. I mean, he missed Hill deep. He missed uh, Brees Hall deep, uh, Hall deep, Corey Davis deep. He almost had an interception on a pass to Garrett Wilson. So there were some close calls. There could have been some turnovers here. Um he missed a couple of guys on short throws. He still seems to have an issue with those gimme throws. Um, and, of course, he did have that bad interception on the Jeff Smith uh, deep over route at the end of the first half, which he probably shouldn't have thrown. If he had been managing the game there, he would have known that they were in field goal range and could have taken the three points. But overall, a really good game, a really good fourth quarter, let's put it that way for him, and uh, sets up the Jets with those two long touchdown drives. But uh, I, I think... We have to be careful here not to go crazy on Zach Wilson. It was a really good performance in the fourth quarter, and I think it's also something no one's mentioning is that his knee held up really well. No ill effects from the surgically repaired knee because he moved around so well in the pocket. But we can't – it's not time to write poems about him just yet. The key for him is going to be consistency. Can he do it? not only on a game-to-game basis, but can he do that on a quarter-to-quarter basis? You can't play one good quarter every week. So really, very encouraged by Zach Wilson. Uh, the question now, before we before we put him in Canton just yet, is let's see him do it on a week-to-week basis. Let's, do, let's see him do it against a tough Miami defense that has been known to bring a lot of pressure. Uh, that is something to watch going forward. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A couple other thoughts from the Pittsburgh game that really struck me. Interesting. And let's stay on the offense. Elijah Vera Tucker. What a what a performance. The guy switches to left tackle. Um, and by the way, that caught us all off guard. And I want to apologize to at Kevin seven four seven seven four seven. He asked me in last week's podcast in our Twitter section about the possibility of starting AVT at left tackle and Nate Herbig at right tackle, and I I poo pooed it. I didn't see that as a possibility. And the Jets did a really good job of uh, disguising this, but we come to find out that AVT had actually been doing some work on his own for several weeks. I'm told. You know, the Jets have this thing called flight school. It's like an after, it's almost like after school help. It's you stay after practice with the third stringers and practice squad guys to get a little bit extra work. Wilson was doing it for a couple of weeks uh, in seven on sevens just to get up to speed. And so we now find out that Vera Tucker had been doing it since the start of the year, just working on his pass sets from the left tackle position, just in case. And then I think about a week ago, he realized that just in case was fast becoming a reality with all the injuries at tackle. So he steps in there at left tackle, hadn't played left tackle since his last year at USC. And he goes in and did a pretty solid job. I watched the tape. He didn't give up any sacks. Uh, A really, really solid job. So a lot of kudos should go to Elijah Vera Tucker. I I think the Jets would, if they had like five Vera Tuckers on their offensive line, they'd be extremely happy. And so that that is really, really a positive development for me. I think there's a chance he'll start at left tackle again this week against Miami. Dwayne Brown is eligible to come off injured reserve, but even if he is activated, he's going to need some practice time. They have three weeks, uh, a window of three weeks before they have to make that decision once they bring him off IR. So I don't think he'll play left tackle this week. I think it'll probably be AVT. As as for what happens at right tackle, your guess is as good as mine. Clearly, they don't have a lot of confidence in Connor McDermott. So maybe you see Remmers there. You know, he's on the practice squad right now. Mike Remmers, just new to the team from last week. They have also Cedric Ogbue. And now he can play left or right tackle. So... He's had a week of practice now, so maybe he factors in at right tackle. So you could see the uh, offensive line where only two guys are in their original spots. That would be center Connor McGovern and left guard Lakin Tomlinson. So I think you'll see AVT again at left tackle as they wait for Brown. If he ever gets back from IR, we'll see. So that's another development. Um, the Brown injury I thought was a good good uh, pivot for the Jets in the offseason after Becton got hurt in the preseason, rather. And, you know, they paid him too much money, I think, at $9 million guaranteed. But then he, he gets seven practices, and he's injured again. And, you know, that's tough. I From what I heard, Woody Johnson was not happy about that at all. He spends $9 million on a left tackle, and the guy lasts seven practices, and he's hurt. Uh, the, the big boss was not happy with that. Another takeaway from the game, Found it interesting how Jeff Ulbrich called this game. Of course, he was in the news last week with the uh, the Quinn and Williams situation. And the Jets had ni- uh, 29 uh, pass rushes in this game. They had only two. Only two of the 29 were more than four-man rushes, 
which is pretty much what Quinn and Williams was saying during the Cincinnati game. He didn't want all these extra rushers and blitzers. He just wanted to be a four-man rush. Well, apparently that message got through because that's pretty much how they went at the Pittsburgh Steelers with four-man rushes. Thought that was very interesting. We could call this, <coughs> excuse me, we could call this the gasp game because Ulbrich made that comment last week about Quinnen gasping for air. I don't think he meant it as a deliberate shot, but yet I could totally see how Quinnen would be offended by that. He went out and played an outstanding game against Pittsburgh and uh, really, really, really good job. I think uh, another thing that strikes me that what the Jets are doing now at, on defense, their cornerbacks are playing very, very well. DJ Reed and Sauce Gardner have done a good job on the perimeters of the field. What they have to work on right now is the middle of the field. When it comes to the middle of the field, I checked on the next-gen stats. They're 25th in passing yards allowed in the middle of the field. I think the teams are going after C.J. Mosley and the safeties, although kudos to LaMarcus Joyner had two picks in this game. But uh, the, the Jets have to shore up their middle field coverages. Uh, I think it's I find it interesting that they've also gone to more cover two or rather two high safety looks. That is not usually a staple of this defense, but they've gone to it more often this year, and I think it's been a trend around the league. Uh, out of 127 dropbacks, the Jets have used two high safety on 69. That's 54%. Last year, the total was 43%, so a, a, an increase of 11% in two high safeties. I think offense, or rather defenses around the league are just so concerned about containing these dynamic playmakers. They don't want to give the explosive plays, so they're using two safeties. And the Jets, I think, are falling in line with that trend. I also think that trend will continue this Sunday against Miami because, uh, let's face it, Miami has two of the most dynamic wide receivers in the league in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. And so you would think the Jets would probably go to some of those two high looks this week as they get ready for Miami but for now enjoy it Jet fans you're two and two don't be the lamenting sore winners in the airport about picking through the mistakes be like the other guy victory Monday he said in the airport victory Monday and I thought that was really funny I was kind of chuckling to myself as I overheard that enjoy it you got a game in October that matters And it's Twitter time. Got a bunch of good ones here. I said I'd pick four on Twitter. I'm going to pick more than four. I owe it. That, I owe that to you guys. So here we go. At PM Flynn 89, he says he have an embarrassment of riches at cornerback. But what do you think the deal is with Bryce Hall being inactive over Brandon Eccles? Is Hall getting the Mims treatment due to low special teams value? Could they maybe try rotating him at safety akin to Devin McCourty? The reason Bryce Hall is inactive is because he quite simply is not as good as Brandon Eccles. And that's just not me saying that. The coaches feel the same way. And I think Brandon Eccles came in and did a good job against Cleveland on those two red zone plays. So he is entrenched as the fourth corner. Bryce Hall, yeah, he could be getting the Mims treatment because he doesn't have much special teams value. And forget about him playing safety because he's not a physical player. You need to be physical to play safety. So I think Bryce Hall is a cornerback without a role right now, and I don't see that changing unless there's injuries. At Bertram59, 
Will Joe Douglas look toward rebuilding the offensive line in next year's draft? How long before they give up on Becton? Yeah, absolutely. I think offensive line will be a priority. Right now, they only had two two sure things, Vera Tucker and Lakin Tomlinson. Uh, George Fant and Connor McGovern are going to be free agents, so who knows? And they have a couple of maybes in Makai Becton. Can you really count on him? And Max Mitchell, who I think could be part of the long-term solution. We don't know yet. I think he'll get a chance to prove it because he's only going to be out a few weeks with this knee injury. So he will be back before the end of this year. So maybe he figures as your future right tackle. But, yeah, absolutely. I think offensive tackle will be a priority for the Jets in the first round next year. They have to have to rebuild that pipeline. At Terrence Begley NJ, watching from the press box and seeing Zach Wilson engineer two fourth quarter drives, did you get the feeling he was doing something that you hadn't seen a Jets franchise quarterback do in some time? Uh, you know, I thought about that. You know, and but I I must say Sam Darnold had three fourth quarter comebacks in his first two years. He had that game as a rookie in Buffalo, that one spectacular play where he ran around. Yeah, ran around and ran around some more and finally made that off-balance touchdown throw to Robbie Anderson, and they pull out that game in the fourth quarter, and I know the Jet hierarchy at that moment was absolutely convinced that they had found their guy, and then we found out a year or two later he wasn't the guy. So you just never know. Wilson had a good game in Pittsburgh. Let's not anoint him after one game. Let's see him be consistent on a down-to-down basis, but certainly the signs were there that he could be something special. At Super Miho 1, I have a question about these personal foul penalties by veteran players. Do you think it's related to a lack of discipline in coaching, or is it more related to just bad timing, individual incidents? Uh, Good question, and I think the key words there were veteran players. These are not rookies who are making these mistakes. These are veterans. Carl Lawson. John Franklin Myers, Corey Davis, these are veteran guys. The Jets have four unnecessary roughness penalties. That's tied for first in the league. They have two roughing the passers. That's tied for first. They had six last year, so this is a continuing trend. They have an unsportsmanlike conduct, so that's two is tied with many teams for first in the league. Got to stop. It's discipline. It's coaching. It's being selfish. It's not thinking. You got to be smarter. These penalties will come back to bite the Jets. It will cost them a game at some point. They have to be eliminated, and I can't emphasize enough. It's veterans. It's not rookies. At Yankees fly Jets, if the Jets are in the hunt by the trading deadline, do you think Joe Douglas would make a move to get some offensive line help? Just not a lot of guys out there right now. Uh, Teams, there's such a shortage of offensive line help throughout the league that I don't think teams are looking to trade guys. Now, the one name who will probably get floated out there is uh, Tevin Jenkins uh, of the Chicago Bears. Drafted a couple of years ago as a tackle. Actually had a good game against the Giants last weekend as a right guard. And it looks like he's going to be inheriting some playing time there at right guard. So you have to think they'd be inclined to keep him. Joe Douglas, I think he likes what he has waiting in reserve. And by that, I'm referring to former Bengals first-round pick Cedric Obehi, Obwehi, I'm going to try to pronounce that right one of these days, Obwehi, and Mike Remmers. Remmers on the practice squad, squad. Cedric on the regular squad, uh, both only had one week of practice so far, so they might not be ready to be playing, 
But I think Douglas feels confident in those guys. Uh, you know, this could come down to being a medical decision, whether to pursue an offensive lineman at the trade deadline. George Fan will be back in three weeks. I think Max Mitchell, if he goes on IR, which I presume he will, I do think he'll be back in four weeks or so. And Dwayne Brown appears to be getting close. So the Jets' situation at offensive tackle could look dramatically different three or four weeks from now, which I think would obviously impact whether they do something at the trading deadline. At 7, June, Ed Money 7. Is the D-line better with Jermaine Johnson starting or playing more? They'd be able to kick JFM inside next to Quinn and Williams. And uh, he notes that Johnson's sack percentage is pretty high. Yeah, but I don't think he's great against the run yet. And, you know, in fact, I think there's only three linemen who are grading out with plus grades against the run, and that's Quinn and Williams, JFM, and Sheldon Rankins. We have a stat at NextGen. You could evaluate players on how the team performs with them on the field and off the field. And if you look at the run defense, uh, Jermaine Johnson, when he's on the field, the Jets are giving up 3.9 a carry. They're better against the run when he's off the field at 3.6 a carry. Uh, JFM has the best differential on the team. When he's on the field, the Jets are only giving up 2.9 a carry. And I think it's 4.0 when he's off the field. And, Qu and Quinnen has a similar uh, differential. Everybody else has a negative differential. And so that's why I think Jermaine Johnson is good in his role right now. They also really like what Bryce Huff did against Pittsburgh. Finally gets out, out of the inactive status, gets to play, has a couple of pressures. And I think the Jets were really impressed with his speed on the edge. And I could see him in a first-team nickel package going forward. I said first-team out there with Lawson and JFM and uh, and Rankins and Quinnen, you, you know, I think Bryce Hall earned himself some more playing time. And now let's talk about Sunday's game. Dolphins at Jets, big AFC East rivalry. Two is out. You know that. I thought what the Dolphins did to him was disgraceful, uh, putting him back in, you know, having him play against Cincinnati after, you know, basically wobbling and falling to his feet the previous game. Um I, it reminded me of way back 20 years ago with Wayne Corbett. Corbett got knocked cold in a game. I think it was against the Giants, and they put him back in the game, the same game. I thought we were long past those situations with the advancements we made in you know concussions and concussion detection, and the Dolphins go out and they put Tua back. Obviously, there are going to be severe repercussions. They've already fired the independent neurologist. There's going to be more that comes out on this. So it's Teddy Bridgewater, who had a cup of coffee with the Jets a few years ago. He is at, back starting for them. And the Jets can't take him lightly. Teddy is 2-0, lifetime against the Jets. Beat him when he was with Minnesota. And he beat him last year in Denver, 24-0. He was 19-25 for 235. He doesn't have two as arm strength, but he can operate that offense and make the throws necessary. He's a smart guy, so I don't think they lose a lot at quarterback. They have uh, Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill already combined for more than 800 receiving yards. You basically have a track team at a receiver. Gasicki's the tight end. They call him a tight end. He's really a wide receiver. As I alluded to earlier, the Jets have had some difficulty defending passes over the middle. That's why I think Gasicki's an issue for the Jets. Dolphins have tremendous speed, even in the backfield with Mostert, 
He's very, very good. Uh, so the Jets are going to have to just <laughs> make sure they got their best sneakers on, best their fastest cleats, because this is going to be a track meet. They run the same scheme as the Jets offensively with Mike McDaniels and, and, and of course, Mike LaFleur, former uh, teammates there with the 49ers, so it's a mirror image. One thing about the uh, Dolphins, though, their defense is struggling. They're 31st in pass defense, so I think the Jets will be able to put some points on the board. The Jets are 0-12 in the division. They've lost the division basically for two straight years. They haven't won a division game. I think this means a little something to them. They're at home where they're 0-2 this year at home. They've only scored one touchdown at home. I don't think there's a, a correlation between home and not performing. So I'm going to take the Jets this week. I think they're going to score some points here. I'm going to say 31-27 over Miami. Uh, a fairly high-scoring game for the Jets, but I do think their offense can put some points on the board against this Dolphin D, and I think the Jets will be able to do a good enough job against Bridgewater and play enough cover two or two high safeties to keep Tyreek and Waddle from going off against them. So I'm going to roll with the Jets here. I, I think they got some confidence. They're feeling good about themselves. And I think this home crowd will be pretty fired up. So I'm like I said, I'm going Jets 31-27 here. We'll see how it goes. I'm three and one on my Jet picks so far. So uh, we'll get back on that one next week. Thanks to my producer Jeff Scoping for putting this all together. Enjoy the game on Sunday. I will, and I'll talk to you next week on Flight Deck. Flight Deck.